Hello, you are listening to Quadcast. I'm Benedict Altier. The early hours of the 9th of November 2016 saw the election of an eccentric billionaire who throughout his campaigns repeatedly defied the predictions of critics and the media. The outcome, which has been likened by many to the surprise result of the UK's June referendum, has led to endless conversations in the subsequent days on what a Trump presidency will look like. In this Quadcast US election special, we will hear from Oxford students as they react to the result as well as from a man who saw Trump's rise coming by looking in an unlikely place, 14th century Europe. Quadcast is a new podcast recorded entirely in Oxford, featuring the voices and views of students and academics about the issues that matter. We'll be featuring interviews with Oxford's most interesting people, working on solutions to some of humanity's biggest challenges, as well as discussions about the issues that affect Oxford and the wider world. We at Quadcast would like to recommend Blinkist, Sign up to Blinkist today to get access to short 15-minute summaries of the most popular non-fiction books available. They currently have a library of more than 1,500 summaries and are adding more every single day. You can also listen to audio versions of the summaries on your smartphone or tablet, and you can get a free trial by visiting quadcast.co forward slash Blinkist. We can't forget that you know, the Americans did elect someone who is a sexist and a racist and a misogynist, and that that's not going to go away overnight. The thing, there's so many neuroses, there's so many, you know, the, the man's stuck in arrested development of a pubescent, spoiled brat. The, the way he talks about women, where where is the humanity there? The, he, the way he talks about women, he just sounds like a monster masquerading as a man. It's clear from the past 19 months that Trump is going to be quite unlike any other president in recent memory. The comments you just heard from Jordan and Alex are ubiquitous in the conversations being had across Oxford by people outraged at his behaviour and the way that he's conducted himself in the campaign. There's evidently significant concern in the minds of lots of people I've spoken to about Trump's presidency and the impact that he could have not only on America but also the wider world in general, especially given the provocative nature of many of the comments that he's made. Michael, however, who studies PPE, believes that some of the worries are likely misplaced. The reason why I think I'm not as worried is because Trump, he's not going to be able to control interest rates, okay? The Federal Reserve still operates completely independently. Trump cannot tell them what to do. Uh, The Fed chairman does not take any advice from the White House. So, you know, a large portion of what affects the American economy is still going to run just as it has before and cannot change. Um, America still and always has had a system of checks and balances, whether or not it has always worked in the past um, is up to debate, but it is still there. You know, as much as executive power can overreach, Trump has shown the ability to rein in his character whenever it's most convenient to do so. Um, and it's most convenient to do so now, since he's already won the presidential election, has it for four years, probably doesn't need to be crazy until the next cycle when he needs to be reelected. Um, but what does that say about him as a candidate, his flexibility, his malleability? It doesn't bode well for whatever policies that he is going to go for. It is a constant case of flip-flopping his view into whatever majority says. That was Ella. She studies English, and she spoke of her outrage and disappointment that a man like Trump could become US president. The American people, I feel, are bruised at this point in time, obviously depending on which side... But yes, everyone should be worried in the case of his itchy fingers, his itchy little groping fingers, doing something stupid with some buttons. While many people have explained Trump's rise by looking to the current political climate in America and the dissatisfaction millions of Americans have with the political establishment, 
Ian Golden, Professor of Globalization and Development to Oxford, and the author of Age of Discovery, which he co-wrote with Chris Kutana, did see Trump's presidency coming, but for none of the reasons that you might expect. Instead of reflecting on recent years, in his book he explained the rise of populist figures and movements reacting against globalization by looking back hundreds of years to the European Renaissance. In these periods of tumultuous change, and the Renaissance was, I think, an equivalent period of tumultuous change to the time we live in today, when things change faster, people get left behind quicker and feel left behind. Uh, and in that, resentment grows. And the other thing that happens in these periods of globalization and integration, and the Renaissance certainly was one, is that this not only do the advantages come from globalization, but the benefits are offset by new systemic risks. Ian feels that problems such as rising inequality and uncertainty leading to crises such as the 2008 financial crisis have led, just like they did in the Renaissance, to a reaction against globalization from the people who feel left behind by it. He thinks this is also indicated by the UK's decision to leave the European Union. And we saw this with Brexit as well, uh, sort of a, the authority figures uh, uh, and experts were rubbished by those that uh, simply felt uh, angry and wanted to uh, control their lives more. Of course, misguidedly so. I was curious to hear whether people thought that Trump's ability to secure 290 electoral college votes in spite of his clearly divisive policies and behaviour and the strong anti-Trump sentiment expressed in virtually every major newspaper or media outlet meant that he was a genius in becoming president-elect, or rather, the ultimate opportunist, in the right place at the right time. He he exploited a wave of of popular support that he himself created. You, there were there were people that uh, in in the Rust Belt, you know, working class Americans who felt betrayed by not a democratic establishment, but by a political establishment. Didn't think that although they weren't happy, they were going to vote Republican just to sort of get out of the just to try and change something rather than thinking actually anything would change. Right. Whereas I think what Trump has done is to show that non-political elites can can have effect in the system. So he's a, he's a genius in that way, but in terms of how he's conducted his campaign in other ways, I, I feel it's come at too much of a cost. Whilst there were, whilst there were scandals with Clinton, her emails, things like that, she hadn't actively done anything to alienate Republicans. Whereas I think Trump often appears, even if it wasn't his aim, to have gone out of his way to alienate Democrats. I think this is a prime situation for Trump in terms of, I think Hillary Clinton, coupled with her Benghazi record emails, all of these scandals, even though it's a prime situation for him to jump in, she's unpopular, she doesn't have the backing that, say, Bernie had, which was anti-establishment and new age and so on and so forth. Trump was new age, erratic and new on the table. Prior to the election, it felt like, in the media, a Trump presidency was barely considered a possibility. And indeed, on the day of the election, Betfair was giving Hillary Clinton a more than 80% chance of winning. And many seemed to view Clinton's election as an almost inevitability. Some, however, like Ian Golden, realised that Trump's chances were higher than we'd realised. Another such person was Harry, a reluctant Trump supporter, and indeed one of the few people vaguely favourable to Trump who agreed to speak to me. I, th- I was pretty sure he was going to do it, because generally these all, all the polls tend to 
always underestimate the support. Firstly, for any right-wing candidate, the support's always underestimated because there's more of a stigma supporting something right-wing in general uh, because the media tends to be fairly liberal. And so there's more sort of shy trumpeters, as we want, like all of them. Like, like why, doing to a lesser extent, the Conservatives always poll less than they actually get in elections, vote leave was behind. And, I mean, the stigma of supporting Trump is clearly far greater than any of those things. What will the future hold with a Trump presidency? It's clear that people believe that his rise is a reaction against societal problems that many Americans feel Clinton didn't have an answer to. I asked Ian whether he thought, based on what happened following the Renaissance, Trump's brand of politics had a real chance of making things better. So we're not going to manage our lives more effectively by building higher walls around our societies. Uh, We're not going to manage them more effectively by disengaging from the world. We're not going to manage them more effectively by um, seeking to make governments smaller uh, because in periods of rapid change, we need to be investing more, uh, not only in the infrastructure, education, health, research and development, but also uh, basically in mobility, housing, transport, etc. And at the global level to manage systemic risk, be it climate change, be it pandemic, be it cyber attack, be it financial crisis, be it terrorism, or whatever else I can think of, we need to be more joined up, not less joined up. So the idea that um, protectionism and nationalism and xenophobia keeping out foreigners is going to somehow lead us to shape our lives more effectively is profoundly misguided. It seems strange that we in the UK, and for that matter Oxford, focus so much on an election thousands of miles away. That said, there's no denying that the President of the United States has significant influence over us, especially given our need over the next few years to negotiate vital trade deals as we leave the European Union. I asked Harry whether he believed President Trump would be good for the UK. The fact is, Trump has long links with this country. He has British family, he has British investments, he likes coming here, he's long spoken favourably. And Clinton is, at the end of the day, an extension of the Obama policy agenda. Obama said, you'll be at the back of the queue. Trump when said, no, you'll be at the front of the queue and the special relationship. So, purely for making trade deals with Britain, Trump is better. And I mean, that's almost just fact. Given how damaging Ian and many other people believe a Trump presidency could be, the question in some people's minds is whether this move towards populism is a sign that democracy is failing to do its job. Justina, who studies law, disagrees. And that actually, democracy, in fact, is working, but just reflecting the views of people unhappy with the changing world. I would say it's not fed up with democracy as such, but more a disillusioned with being open to other countries with this kind of values like uh, tolerance or uh, inviting people from different nationalities to your country. Uh, people want to focus on their own country. That's the trend I think prevails right now. In Trump's victory speech, he spoke of the need to bring America back together. And as one of the most divisive figures in politics in years, this is going to be a challenge. His real issue in terms of what he wants to do of unifying America is essentially one of personality. Um, and I think that's going to be going to be the real challenge, because I think policy is going to be quite uniform, quite normal. Nothing much okay. is going to change. But in terms of how opposition now deals with each other, particularly as a result of this contentious election. That's the that's where the fight's really going to be. In this episode of Quadcast, we have heard from just a few of the many unique perspectives on this election, which people across Oxford have. Regardless of whether you are happy with the result or not, it's worth celebrating the fact that we, like the US, live in a democracy, 
where such decisions are made by the people. This as a freedom is something that we shouldn't take for granted and should speak up for and protect in order to prevent anyone from taking it away. Conversations like this are vital in understanding the problems that many in our society are facing as just in the Renaissance, our changing world leads to new frontiers in politics. Communication is a catalyst behind populist movements, but also their remedy. Words and ideas, as this election has shown, can be tremendously powerful. Thank you very much for tuning in to Quadcast. I've been Benedict Toltier. Our intro music is from the good people over at purple-planet.com. I'd also like to thank Jordan, Alex, Michael, Harry and Justina for generously giving their time to talk about the election. With special thanks to Ella Khan, without whom this episode would have been exponentially more difficult to make. I'd also like to thank Ian Golden for sharing his insights. You can find out more about him by visiting iangolden.org. Follow him on Twitter, ian underscore golden. And you can buy his book by visiting quadcast.co forward slash discovery or at any good bookshop. Subscribe to Quadcast now in your podcast app of choice or by entering your email at quadcast.co. Don't forget you can get a free trial of Blinkist by visiting quadcast.co slash Blinkist. That's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. See you next week.